When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. I want to start with Joe Burrow when you went back and you watched the game again. I think a lot of people on ESPN, Fox this morning, all the sports shows, they are pretty much saying, hey, the Cincinnati Bengals are back. I felt like we got a little version of that after the Cardinals game. But when you play an opponent like the 49ers on the road, they're coming off two losses in a row for Joe Burrow to not only look mobile, some of his throws made me nervous. And uh, there was one to Tyler Boyd with two defenders on him and Joe got it right to him. There's a lot of things that really stand out what they were able to do. All the first downs, the completion, 28 of 32 was absolutely insane just with how the start of the season has really gone. What were your takeaways from watching it again? Yeah, I mean, so one thing that we have hit kind of ad nauseum, I feel like, <clears throat> is this offense goes as Joe Burrow goes, right? Like it's not and that's not an indictment on the scheme or anything like that. And you could you could also see it with the Chiefs this week, huh? Well, they didn't do very well against the Broncos. Uh, and you saw it with the 49ers. I mean, Purdy had some moments that were good, but the bad threw them out of the game, basically. Uh, <coughs> just in the NFL. I do think the 49ers, out of all teams, they're the one that if Purdy has a bad game, they could probably find a way to make it work. But we can get into why that didn't happen in this game later. Um, offense in the NFL goes as the quarterback goes. And for the Bengals, their quarterback is now, I think he played an MVP level in this game. I, I mean, not to say that an MVP level is uh, one game's worth, but I'm saying in this game, if he played this game the entire year, he'd be an MVP, like maybe the MVP. <clears throat> and uh, that's awesome. And then you see the results of that. They, The Bengals, if Irv Smith doesn't fumble and they don't miss a field goal, they boat race the 49ers in this game. And they already won by two scores. They would have scored over 40 points against this defense while holding them to 17 points. Now, I mean, that's assuming there's no butterfly effect with all of that. But still, uh, yeah, Burr was awesome. I think that you know he's fully back on one thing I talked about, which was he kept leaving some outside throws to the inside. Didn't do that at all this week. They were all perfect. I, I mean, the only mistake I remember from Burrow was early in the game, he throws a ball that actually almost got picked by the 49ers. Uh, and that was on a second and 10. Then third and 10 was the uh, escape three guys and extend the play to T. Higgins for a first down play. So, uh, yeah, I think Burrow was awesome. I think he was incredible. The other part that makes me think he's fully back was all the running, and especially when he checked a quarterback draw. I think that's the moment of just like, yeah, he he feels like he's fully back. Like he's not just running because he's under pressure or because it's a great situation, although that was a good situation to run in somewhat. I think he thought it was going to be a better situation than it was. But <clears throat> when you're able to call your own number like that, he wasn't able to do that against Tennessee or even 
against Seattle and Arizona. He wasn't able to call his own number so much. There were a couple scrambles against Arizona, but they didn't really look like this. I mean, you could see a little bit of that mobility back, but in this game, man, he looked athletic, athletic and mobile. Running for the first downs, like the third down one was absolutely insane and just a great idea by Joe Burrow. And it's just, I think a lot of people, they keep forgetting, yes, Joe Burrow is a mobile guy. He can move around when he's healthy. And we were able to finally see that. And honestly, when I watched that game versus the 49ers, I think back about the Baltimore Ravens game a lot because I know Joe wasn't perfect, but a little bit, you know, it felt like that second half versus Baltimore, he was slowly coming back before the tweak. And imagine if Joe would have been able to be mobile in that game. And and at least one of these AFC North games, the first one, it was just a disaster from the beginning. But the Ravens game is the one that I always think about where it's like, ah, they had a shot to win that game. Um, And if they had this version of Joe Burrow, a healthy version, that game would have probably looked a little bit different. But uh, overall, no, it's exciting to see because it's, it's against a top team in the NFC. Um, you know, it's easy to go back to the Arizona Cardinals game when I said it did feel like he was back there. It was really connecting with Jamar Chase, uh, getting Yoshi involved. But this game against a very tough opponent at home where they have a lot of success, they're looking to snap their losing streak. The Bengals were on a 2-0 run. I know they're coming on the bye and it was a short week for the Niners, but that's a tough defense. And I know Nick Bosa, there's been some criticism over the last few weeks that, you know, Ali got the bag and he's not performing well. It's still Nick Bosa on the D line and they still have a lot of pressure. And I, I just want to give credit to the offensive line. I really felt like they, they stepped up in that situation. Absolutely. <clears throat> still pending a film review, but based off of watching the broadcast again, I think the offensive line did well. They did enough. They did a good job in the running game. And I think they did a pretty good job in the passing game too. I think Nick Bosa, I mean, the sacks aren't there, but this feels like Trey Hendrickson last year. Or Trey Hendrickson wasn't getting the sacks last year, but he was affecting the game. He was affecting the quarterback. He was able to get pressure. He's getting pressure. He's hitting the quarterback a little bit. He had two quarterback hits by Pro Football References charting. Um, I think the Bengals did a good job of, even if he was getting pressure, they made it so it wasn't as devastating where I think those quarterback hits are kind of devastating pressures. Uh, think only two of those. That's fine. You can live with that. Uh, you don't want to live with like six quarterback hits, even if a guy doesn't get a sack. Like that starts affecting the game. Thought he was good. And he forced the one sack basically by getting around Orlando Brown, pressure on Burrow. He has to step up. And then Kappa was trying to wash this guy inside, loses him a little bit, and Burrow ends up running into him. So he had an effect on this game. And uh, he's a really good player, so I'm not going to discredit anything yeah. he did. And the Bengals also treated him like a good player, too. They, they were chipping him quite a bit. They put him on an island sometimes with Orlando, and I can't remember if they did with Jonah or not, but they definitely did with Orlando a couple times, and Orlando did enough. I think that's all you can really ask for against these Nick Bosa types. The nice thing for them is, you know, Buffalo doesn't have one of these types, uh, they've got some good players, but they don't have a Nick Bosa. They don't have a Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt type guy. They've got good players instead. And that's something you can look forward to. What they play the Texans after that, who I don't think have a guy like that. They play the Ravens after that, who also don't have a guy like that. So despite the NFL being such a pass rusher league, the next three games, while they're against good teams, at least two very good teams, and the Texans are feisty. Uh, 
they won't have to face the the Nick Bosa's of the world for the next couple of games. So that's nice. What do you think Joe Burrow said to Nick Bosa? Um, I have no idea, but I think they're like kind of friends. So it was probably mm-hmm. just jokingly talking smack to each other. Yeah, I can't. There's a mic'd up version coming out on NFL Films tomorrow night, and I'm really looking forward to it with Nick Bosa and Joe Burrow. So it should be it might just be good. something like uh, almost gotcha type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love I love the lip readers out today because they yes they did go to OSU together. They're really yeah. good friends. Um, they hang out in the off season and everything like that. But watching Joe Burrow just there's a lot of things to point out from yesterday. That's what's so exciting. But that first drive, getting out of the sack. We talked about it um, on the podcast after the game, but it's just absolutely incredible. And it's it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, this drive, it's stalled. It's not going anywhere. They're going to punt the ball. But for Joe to not take his – he didn't take his eyes off T, found T, get the first down, gets out of a sack. And it just – it was one of the many things that you love about Joe Burrow, but it felt like a top five moment for me watching Joe Burrow play overall. Yeah, uh, maybe the best play of the – game for him i think the best throw was that one you talked about just outside the linebackers outstretched hand but in front of the safety hits boyd perfectly in the tightest of tight windows that's the best throw but i think the best play was probably that escape three people sack move the chains to t who also deserves credit for holding the ball out as he was going out of bounds to get that first down um because if that fell one yard short that would be devastating (laughs) 100 percent and same with the wide receivers right now one of the things that i've really liked over the last few games tb is more involved um you know i know a lot of people you know they look at his, his production over the last few years is he the same tyler boyd but over the last few games seeing him in the end zone seeing him make those you know key catches it's just been really fun to see what the production on the tyler boyd side yeah um so tyler boyd's touchdown I thought was really good on a few things. It was kind of classic Tyler Boyd to me. What they did was they were in a bunch. The other two guys were gone. It's a three-person all tight together type of uh, look. And the other two receivers cleared out. And he comes up and he he is really, really good at changing his tempo and pace on runs. You could think of it almost like basketball where – Guys will like slow down so that when they accelerate, it's, you know, more, it's more devastating. It's more, uh, it feels like more burst than it actually is, but he slows down, hesitates, and that just gets the corner on his heels. I'm feeling back like, okay, which way is this guy going? If you just go up there and run the route, the cornerback can feel that in rhythm and go with him. When you hesitate and change your tempo and change the timing of everything, you kind of get that cornerback off his game. And that's what he did was hesitated and then burst go. He gets behind him and catches a perfectly thrown pass for a touchdown. Yeah, I thought Boyd was good in this game. He had that tight window catch. He had a few middle of the field catches. All the receivers I thought were good. T.U. had some good catches. Chase was good other than the ball security issue. I mean, Chase was great other than the ball security issue. <laughs> uh, still might have been the best receiver on the in the game. But, yeah, man. I mean, when you win a game like this, I, I feel like not a lot negative to point out. Um, but when you look at receivers, it, it was great. It really feels like Charlie Jones, um, they they do have one roster spot open with Chase Brown on the short-term IR that Charlie Jones will be called up this week. I know he's been on the rehab field over the last few weeks, um, which would be absolutely huge for special teams. But when you think of Yoshi and 
two touchdowns in two weeks. And I, I know it was, they might have been easy catches, but Yoshi still made football moves to get it. And I thought he was he was really fun over the last few games. And when it comes to his production, it's nice that Joe has all of these different options to throw to. You know, you get Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd out there, and then Yoshi's going to be available in the red zone. It really changes things with your offense. And what did you think about Yoshi in this game? I mean, really just the one play is what we'll look at. And it's an out of structure. He works to the back of the end zone in structure. So then the corner is basically trying to box him and keep him inside of that corner. Like you're not going anywhere else. So Yoshi looks like he's going to run across the back of the end zone. And after like one step that way, it basically uses as a jab step, works back inside and works across to the front pylon. Again, makes himself friendly to the quarterback, which I talked about a bit on the reaction pod. Uh, that's, good that's good quarterback that's good wide receiver play make yourself friendly to the quarterback that's a veteran move and then shows really good body control i think that's something that gets underrated with wide receivers all the time but the Bengals really really value that trait it's probably the main thing they look for in my opinion based off of what their wide receiver core looks like uh gets both feet down scores a touchdown and it's again out of structure uh would love to see something in structure but out of structure veteran moves, making himself friendly to the quarterback. He's playing at a really high level for a sixth round pick. And I feel like it's, man, when you think about the wide receivers that are going to be active on game day, it starts getting hard, right? Because Trent Irwin was also good in this game. I mean, there was not a bad receiver that played in this game. Wide receiver. I mean, eligible receiver, we don't need to talk about, but wide receivers, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they were all good. It's so hard to think of like, well, where do Charlie Jones's offensive snaps come in? I don't know. I honestly don't know because I'm excited to see Charlie Jones return kicks again. It's going to be fun to see that yeah. because his production was there uh, before he was right before he got injured. So that's going to be really fun to see on special teams. But uh, you probably want to make him a part of the offense too at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be some, I would say the Bengals are in a good position when it comes to the wide receiver room with having these rookies definitely step up and it'll be good to get Charlie Jones back out there. I do want to hit on uh, two more things on the offense and then we'll move on. Joe Mixon, you know, they're, they're, it's it's kind of crazy. I know the, the comparisons we're seeing out there, all that talk this off season about Jonah Williams and Joe Mixon, it seems so silly after a game like that and just all season long. It's, it's a good thing when those players are performing at a high level. And it was so good to see that out of Joe Mixon. Yeah, I never felt better about my takes than when I said, yeah, they should, they'll both be the starter week one. And I would keep, I would keep both. Like they're both good players. Um, yeah, Mixon was really good in this game. <clears throat> and the blocking was also good. But, and Tony Romo pointed this out, is that uh, towards the end of the game on that, I think it was the put away drive. Yeah, the mix and rushing touchdown was basically the nail in the coffin, I think. So that was all duo, and duo is such a running back's run where the running back is the one who is uh, going to make the move, make the guy miss, and cause that to become a high positive play or a negative play. The O-line does so much, it gets a vertical push, and if all Mixon did was just run into the back of the O-line and pick up four yards each time, then I wouldn't be saying this. But he bounced a couple of them, and that's when it becomes a real running back play. And it was Nick Bosa who actually missed the tackle on the touchdown, outstretched, reaching for him, and he made him miss. And once you make that end miss, and you're in the low red zone like that, the goal line area, it's it's well, we saw it. He could dance into the end zone. <laughs> uh, it Running back run, and that was that was the biggest example of Mixon's 
it felt like a renewed energy. You know, he was running over Dre Greenlaw. He was explosive. He was powerful. Um, I think just everything you look for with Joe Mixon and why he at one point was voted, what I think, uh, the a top five running back by the NFL scouts, GMs, coaches when ESPN did that poll. It was all there. Like this was the guy that was voted that high. And now he has a better offensive line he's running behind. I know the stats aren't always there for him, like the raw stats, but they were in this game. <laughs> I'm going to check real quick. I have it opened up because I was going to look at something else. But, uh, yeah, his yards per carry is on, what, 16 of 87. I can't do that quick math in my brain. 5.4, five-point yards per carry. And it was even higher than that before halftime. I think after the half they kind of got into – their normal runs they're like tight zone zoo tight zone duo early on they kind of varied things a little bit they had a tackle trap they had a normal trap they ran some toss plays in there which they ran one after the half too but uh yeah Mixon was great and i thought that he was a big reason why the offense was able to stay ahead of the chains so well um which we talked a lot about where they didn't really face third down very often they weren't great on third down in this game even, but it didn't really matter yeah kind of uh, one more thing with the offense and it was one of the things that I was still a little concerned about I know a lot of people were getting excited about it at practice last week or even going into the bye that maybe they should go under center with Joe Burrow and I was like oh I don't know how this is gonna look um but how did you feel how did you feel after the rewatch I felt good I felt good I now to me the run game didn't get better under center um I think there was some in, there was some interesting stuff in there, and I was very very glad. Like the run game wasn't terrible under center. That was one of my worries was they were going to get under center, and a lot of these guys are wide zone guys. Even though they don't have the horses for it, I thought maybe they would just try it because that's what they did from pistol, and that kind of made me upset. So I was like, come on, run your runs from pistol. You don't need to run wide zone. Got under center, and it wasn't all wide zone. It was great. They had a bend play, which is like a zone look that's designed to cut back. Uh, that went for a big gain. That was from under center. They ran lead zones, some toss plays, a lot of good stuff from under center. In my opinion, I thought the only bad stuff, they ran a jet sweep from under center, the Tyler Boyd, that was really good. And I thought that was smart because what they're doing in this game to me in the run game was making the 49ers think their pass rush. Think when you run jet sweep, they ran, they ran draw, they ran, crack toss all of this does is to try to soften that pass rush where those are and bend too that bend play those are all plays that are designed to punish you and trap oh sorry almost every play i mentioned basically they're all designed to punish you if you get too far upfield so the 49ers are one of those teams kind of like the browns where they love penetration they love firing off the ball they love getting after you know Stop the run on the way to the quarterback, basically. Like, we're going to get penetration. We're going to ruin it that way. They kept getting upfield, and the Bengals kept making them pay for it. So I thought it was a really smart run game plan. Worked out really well. And when you look at it overall, um, when all of that's cooking together, that felt like a big reason why, the, you know, the offensive line did great in the run game, and it helped them in the pass game because then Nick Bosa is – you know, 
he's remembering Ben. He was the guy culprit on the Ben play. They let him get upfield, and Irv Smith, I believe, was the blocker. He didn't really have to do much. He just kind of like got in his way. <laughs> like, you know, you're not going to make the play through me because you're so far upfield. That was awesome. Like, that's such a smart way to attack, you know, these guys are firing off the ball like that. I think that helps Orlando Brown later in the game where Nick Bosa is now lining up. He's ready to fire off the ball. And just like that little bit in his mind, he's like, I gave up a 15-yard run because I fired off the ball and tried to get after the quarterback here. Like, maybe I, you know, slow it down, still get penetration, still fire off the ball, but I can't go completely reckless. And just that tiny bit slower movement is going to help Orlando Brown be able to stay in front of him. The last thing I'll say about the offense, I'm just, I'll never forgive Ron Torbert for the call in the Super Bowl, and I'll never forgive him for not allowing Teddy Karras to run it in for a touchdown. Just watching that. Definitely a touchdown. I mean, we'll never know, but in my he, unbiased opinion, I thought he was he about to, You know, there were, there were a couple safeties back there, but I think he was about to throw a spin move on Hafunga, maybe give a stiff arm to the other one on his way into the end zone. <sighs> I'm that it devastates me because we would play that on loop all the time. I know uh, Jamar Chase had fun with it today. He screenshot his against the Chiefs in uh, 2022, that January game, and he had Teddy Karras, and he said, Ted, 12 miles per hour. Uh, would, love, would love to see him run it in, but he didn't get to do it. So offense, it was fun. I know you're going to have more over on all. Bengals will flip to the defensive side. They made plays when it mattered. Um, I actually want to start with one guy. We, we talked about Joe Burrow being back. Is Mike Hilton back? I thought Mike Hilton was back against Seattle, Okay, to be honest. <clears throat> but, yeah, he was awesome in this game. Uh, did a good job stopping the run. And I actually – I mean, I think some people have gone back and maybe it's a little bit of box score looking. Because mm-hmm. to me, when I went back and watched the defense again, I was still impressed by them. I know that at the end of the day, you're looking at like, oh, 400 something yards given up. You had 70 yards on a drive that didn't matter. And then you also had, what, 50 more yards on a drive that didn't really matter right before halftime. So, <laughs> like, take away 120 yards, which usually doesn't happen. <laughs> and now it's not as crazy impressive. I think there were a, you know, like Kyle Shanahan's going to get you a little bit too. Like I was not expecting them to completely shut down the 49ers. I thought Kyle Shanahan did a good job of getting his, when Birdie, when Purdy had enough time, uh, he was able to get guys scheme, you know, I hate to say it because, you know, Bengals fans run wild with the idea that you can just always scheme a guy open. But when they had enough protection, they were able to scheme a guy open. Just when you work deep overs that far down, the field it's really difficult for the linebackers to drop underneath that when you're getting like 20 yards of depth that starts getting into like am i even supposed to be back here like how am i supposed to rally and tackle up in front of me when i'm 20 yards deep uh the Bengals played quite a bit of man coverage i liked a lot of it because what the Bengals normally do is they try to play slow they try to control gaps everything else like that they played fast in this game. There were blitzes, stunts. Uh, there was a bit of movement and just enough stuff to try to throw the 49ers off schedule because more than any team in the league, the 49ers are a team that wants to stay on schedule. They want to control the you know, the clock. They want to stay ahead of the chains just more than any elite offense. That's what they want to do. And most defenses, they can't stop it. But what the Vikings did what the Browns did was to play fast 
and bring some blitzes, bring some stunts. And they're not all going to work. Like the Bengals had a few that they just didn't work. But when you can make a tackle for a loss on first down, put them in second and 12, they're no longer in a spot that where they can easily convert that. I think the best example of this was I went back and looked at the box score for this. Uh, and the 49ers had two. Oh man, I'm getting messed up a little bit. I think they were one of five. I, I wish I could just be able to look this up without tallying it out by hand, but I don't want to do that on the pod. I think they were one of five on third and seven plus, And the only one they got was a pretty scramble that uh that that's pretty good when they were in third and manageable they were able to convert and that's like i'm saying is that when they're on schedule when they're in a mixed area where they can run or pass they're they're impossible to stop but if you can get them into those third longs they're they're not the best offense for it and we saw it i mean purdy picked up the one on a big scramble but other than that just that's how they got all their stops on third down just got real quick they stopped at least four yeah there were uh Five of nine, and I think it was one of five on third and manageable, and four for four on or four for four on third and manageable, one of five on third and long. Yeah, I, I you're just extremely impressed with the defense when they stepped up in the red zone. The Jermaine Pratt interception, it feels like he could have had a pick six, but I think he was just excited he got the interception and then he went out of bounds. But man, it was nothing but green grass in the end zone for him at that point. The linebackers yesterday, Logan Wilson had an interception. What did you think of him? Wilson was awesome. Well, I mean, he almost had that second one too. BJ Hill tipped it. Uh, it's kind of surprised because Wilson's a little bit of a ball magnet. I feel like anytime the ball's near him, he just gets glued to the hands. Um, he was good. I thought Pratt overall, PFF hated it. I thought he was in a lot of difficult circumstances because of Ch Kyle Shanahan. And maybe you're thinking, well, you can't be the guy under the microscope. And he was. Out of all the Bengals defenders, they put Pratt under the microscope, kind of because of the position he plays, where he's that weak hook guy and single high coverage. And he, in this game, played a bit of the, the Tampa 2 middle uh, pole runner, which is actually usually Wilson's job. But they're kind of, the, the Bengals were disguising everything too. I didn't mention that, but that's a big part of it too, to try to get Perry to hold the ball an extra second. So he got put in the microscope a little bit, but at the same time, how is he supposed to really defend George Kittle running up the seam as he's trying to disguise the coverage and then get to his spot? That stuff just happens to me. Like that that's not prescriptive for how Pratt's gonna play the rest of the year. I don't think he's like suddenly regressing. I think this was just, yeah, you got put in some unfortunate spots during this game and the, it didn't swing his way. I think the most impressive play on any side of the ball might have been his interception, though, which was just Total bonehead from Purdy. I mean, when I went back and watched, the offensive line was six yards downfield. I mean, that's getting called every time because it was an RPO. And shout out Sam Hubbard for he took it away. He uh, Kittle was the guy. It was that shovel pass that Kansas City always does. And the Bengals face it all the time. They play against Kansas City a lot. They play against the Ravens a lot, who are the other team that does it well. And Sam Hubbard knew what was coming. So he jumps in front of the tight end. Purdy can't throw that. But he already faked the handoff because I don't – who knows why? Uh, so no handoff, no shovel. So your only option now is you have to quarterback run. But he goes out and he's he's winding out. He's on out, out towards the sideline and realizing, well, I'm going to lose yards on the run if I try that. So I guess I'll just try to throw it over top to the running back who would have scored a touchdown, in quotes. <laughs> it would have been called back. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to me, that was just 
crazy stupid play from Purdy, just like boneheaded type thing. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, that Pratt interception reminded me of the opposite end of the TJ Watt interceptions last year where he just kind of jumped up and caught the ball. It's like, how? That was basically Pratt, though. It was like, how? How did he just catch this? It reminded me of, and I, it's obviously different, but it was the Travis Kelsey game last year when he just legit took the ball away from him. Obviously, it's different when you jump up and you grab the ball and it, it Purdy makes a boneheaded decision, but he just has those moments, Jermaine Pratt does. And just this linebacker duel overall, you know, it's good to see Logan Wilson get another interception. He's been absolutely incredible at getting at takeaways and uh, just staying with the defense right now. DJ Turner getting a start. What did you think of the corners? So I, I'm... I'm thinking that's interesting. Is Aruzier's back worse than we were thinking? Because he looked really labored in that Seattle game, and then mm-hmm. Turner starts over him in this game. And I know he came in and he actually got beat by Brandon Ayuk in his limited snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering about that. Like, I wonder if Aruzier's back is an issue right now. And the Bengals can take it easy with him because they have DJ Turner. So they're choosing to do that. But with DJ Turner playing so well, like every week, it almost turns into like, how are you going to go back? You, you don't. You you put your best players out there. I know. But and, I mean, fully healthy, Awuzie might still be the best corner on the team, even though Cam Taylor Britt has had a really good season, especially the last couple of weeks. He's turned it on. I know Ayuk got him a little bit, but mm-hmm. Ayuk's a really good route runner. And I actually think that's kind of one of the matchups I don't love for him are those route running change of direction types. I want that to eventually, the Bengals don't really shadow that much, but I would like in my mind for that to eventually be Turner's guy. And then I, and then um, Cam Taylor Britt's on any big physical guy that Turner probably can't handle. That's why they're in my opinion, good mixture. They, they can handle different types of guys. Uh, I still think Cam Taylor Britt's having a good year. Turner's having a good year, especially a great year for a rookie. And Mike Hilton's turning it on. Now there's not really too much of a spot for Awujie, but when he's healthy, like the last two years before the injury, I mean, all pro level corner. And if he's going to play that good, you can't bench it. But at the same time, when Turner's playing that good and these snaps are really valuable for him and Cam Taylor Britt's playing good and those snaps are really valuable for him, how do you, you know, like embarrassment of riches. And you hope that everybody's just going to be healthy the whole year and they can just play around with it. I think that's my mind. Uh, and they have the depth in case somebody does go down. Corner is a position you have to worry about with that. I feel like a lot of corners face injury. Look at the Bengals going to play this week. Apparently, Josh Norman will might be playing real snaps for the Buffalo Bills in this game, and you'd never want to be in that situation. No, and, and here's the thing. Lou doesn't want to put a rookie out there if he doesn't have to, and if Lou is impressed with a rookie – being out there and they're starting him in that position. I do think that they are just managing Cheeto's injury like Zach Taylor normally does with this. They don't want to fully rush him back. The back injury does to be seems to be something that they're just going to watch with his snaps. And that's fine with me overall. If DJ Turner can step up and give Cheeto time, because I do, I still think Cheeto is a great corner. It's probably his last year in Cincinnati. So hopefully, you know, he can play out the rest of this year. Um, but if DJ Turner is is producing, I, I don't think they're going to make the decision of seeing less DJ Turner in the future in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, though. I mean, like he's played so good that you almost want to like let him play even when Ouzier is fully healthy. But we'll see. We'll see what the best group is. You got to figure that out before the playoffs, I think. When you get to the playoffs, you got to know who your best guys are. 
and is probably going to be Hilton in the slot because, you know, the other guys, they just don't defend the run the same way Hilton does. Ken Taylor Britt, he's very willing, but I also don't think Ken Taylor Britt is a slot type mover or, you know, like side to side type stuff. He's very much an outside corner. DJ Turner can move and do stuff inside like that, but he is not a Mike Hilton defending the run, even though he's giving more effort than I thought I thought he did at Michigan. Like I think he's throwing his body around a little bit more than there. And OJ has always been a good tackler too for the Bengals. But again, I don't think he's as comfortable in the slot. So I think Mike Hilton's ingrained in the slot. I don't think you're benching Cam Taylor Britt because he's young and good. And then the other side is if Ouija is fully healthy, I think he's better than Turner. But Turner has given them the opportunity that you know, if it doesn't happen, they have a guy there that they feel really good about. And that's never a negative. I think that's a positive for them. Um, any other thoughts on the defense? I mean, I thought DJ Reader was really, really good. And mm-hmm. PFF started him with two missed tackles and tanked his grade because of it. And I think that is dumb. I hate that the most out of anything. Because when they chart Reader and defensive linemen for missed tackles, it's – it's for like not making a play while engaged with an offensive lineman. It's the most ridiculous thing. Like, I don't know any other position that gets charged for negatives because they did their job, but didn't go above and beyond their job. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I want that to change PFF change that. Like I know missed a tackle. Those should be plus ones half the time where if he's in the backfield making the running back like completely blowing up the front side of the run play, but he misses the tackle and forces the run to his help, that's a plus one. It's a plus two if he makes the tackle. But, hey, I don't know. I'm not the PFF guy. Yeah, and and Zach Taylor delivered what I thought is pretty good news. I know Trey Hendrickson finished the game. He's just like that. He's an animal. Um, He's played through injuries before, but they're just going to manage his ankle, and it's just going to be something that they watch out for. He expects him to play on Sunday, which is huge. You don't want to lose Trey Hendrickson. I definitely was very nervous when he went down, uh, but it just sounds like something that Trey will play with for the rest of – for until he's until he feels better, Um, just dealing with that ankle injury. But overall, any other thoughts on the defense? No. Uh, on the note of the Trey Hendrickson injury, I think that is something to look at because okay. a lot of times those ankle injuries, you play through it when you got the adrenaline going, and then when you rest, it swells up. And I think that's something to watch because he's been huge. I think the other guys are kind of underrated right now. The core four, at least the other three, at getting pressure. DJ Reader, I think I saw Andrew Russell, friend of the show, PFF Andrew, uh, tweet out something like, I think he's in the top six for defensive linemen getting his pressure rate. I believe so, it. So shout out DJ Reader. <laughs> BJ Hill, had uh, he's had a couple key pressures. Sam Hubbard had a sack in this game and some pressures. So, you know, they're all doing their job. I think the backups, uh, we'll see. <sighs> Osai, man, my breakout. He just—it's still not there. It's not Cam Sample. Let's talk Cam Sample. Cam Sample, yeah. He had another. Oh, he had an unblocked pressure in this game, and then Mm -hmm. didn't get Purdy. I was upset, but also Jordan Battle missed Purdy on an unblocked pressure. So, Mm -hmm. like, they were just kind of like, I don't think they were ready for Purdy to move like that. That was my takeaway. There, when he was running, I was like, "Oh no, you gotta, you gotta respect his ability to be mobile too." Um, and he was able to get around, but you know, maybe we'll see a little bit because you obviously want to manage Trey Hendrickson. He is your most important. Well, I, DJ Reader is one of the most important players on defense, but you can put Trey Hendrickson up there just because of the way he's produced this year. What, what do you see for Miles Murphy going forward? 
he got nine snaps in this game. That's what I like to see for the rest of the year. Nine snaps, okay. nine, ten snaps a game. Uh, and with Trey Hendrickson's injury, you might even bump him and Osai up a little bit more, depending on how many snaps the other offense plays too, of course. The Bengals actually won time of possession for once in this game. So <laughs> I think it the, felt like they were though. I mean, the way the offense was <laughs> on the field, it was just absolutely insane. And what felt so good in the second half when I knew the run game felt back, or just at least in this game it felt back, is just how much clock they were draining. They could just yeah, run it and breathers. drain the clock. Yeah, so I, I think with Trey Hendrickson's injury, you want to treat him a little gingerly. That's what I would do, at least. I would treat him a little bit like, okay, we're not going to rush you back. Mm -hmm. Like, you, if you can play, you can play. And we'll still get you your snaps, but let's make sure the ankle gets healthy. And to do that, you're probably going to let him take some breathers a little bit more often, which some people would argue that he should be doing anyway. Uh, I didn't notice, but I forgot. Man. I'm a little bit worried about next year for Murphy, not in terms of his ability, but I just realized that Cam Sample, Joseph Osai, they're both going to be here next year. Sam Hubbard going to be here next year. Trey Anderson going to be here next year. They still have so many edge players. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Maybe many. I can trade one at some point. I know. I like, that is kind of the feeling, but I don't think they, they just they wouldn't. They just don't they trade. Don't. Even though they have too many of those players, they just don't no, really trade. They're like, they're ours, and we don't want anyone else to have them. We drafted them. We brought them here. Um, yeah, they're just stuck on that. And and, and speaking of that, I'll, I'll wrap this up. Just kind of a, another quick reaction. You'll have plenty on all Bengals. We'll look ahead to a very exciting Buffalo Bills. Come to town Sunday Night Football. Nice matchup versus Josh Allen. You, as I mentioned, will have plenty on all Bengals. Anything you can tease or talk about? Uh, I haven't watched the film yet, like we talked about. So I have some ideas that are running through my head, but I'm not going to tease anything. If anything, it's probably out by the people by the time people are listening. Mm -hmm. Although I am, man, busy tomorrow too. <laughs> I'll have to make it work. Make sure you go check it out. Bengals underscore stands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. We'll be back later this week to talk a little Bengals, Bills, Sunday Night Football on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.